This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and use my emotional intelligence to meet people where they're at. So as I continued to get better, I did not, I, I no longer tried to reach out and grab them and pull them to me. That's all I did. And I, and I just tried to, to understand where somebody was at, and then I would try to lead by example and let them come along if they wanted to. I never closed the door on people. I always say, you know, I always tell my wife, it's always great to just leave that door somewhat cracked. I think it's very important. So I never closed the door on my friends. I never closed the door on, on other colleagues. But at the same time, I was very open and honest and transparent about this is my goal. This is where I'm going. If you're not aligned with that, no problem. That's, that's not a problem at all. The guys that I spent time with in college, great guys. I love those guys to this day. But they have different goals for what their lives are going to look like. And coincidentally, we don't hang out anymore. And that's okay because I've made new friends that are continuing to help me be the best version of myself and, and, and stay really, really accountable. for tuning into Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey, everybody. It's your host, Jerome, here on the Dreamcatchers podcast. Today we've got a super special guest. We've got Logan Freeman joining us today. He's a former NFL football player who's now doing real estate full-time. Logan and I connected via LinkedIn after... He heard me on the Joe Fairless podcast a few weeks ago, and after listening to some of the stuff that he's done on other podcasts, I had to get him over here to share with the tribe. So with that, Logan, if you don't mind diving in and telling us a little bit about your background and your focus. Absolutely, Jerome. Thank you for, for having me, and I'm really excited to share some stories with, with your listeners. and. Great job on, on your other podcast as well. I think it's a wonderful medium for us all to, to kind of start uh, being able to get our stories out there. So I grew up in a 
small city called Jefferson City. And for everybody who's not a Midwesterner, that is the capital of Missouri, one of those flyover states a lot of people talk about. And, you know, I grew up, I identified as an athlete. I always found comfort in being an athlete. And, you know, I really felt like athletics was going to kind of take me to where I needed to go. One thing I, I realized early on in my career in grade school, high school, college, and a little bit afterwards is that I, I never really was the best athlete. What I, what I brought to the table was a work ethic, a discipline, and accountability, and a mentality that helped me get to where I, I, was, I was going. And so all through college, again, I was, I was the team captain for, for three seasons, never been done before, started as a true freshman at a Division II college, which is right under D1, but we were in kind of an MIAA, which basically was, is the SEC of Division II football. We, we played a lot of D1 AA teams and, and beat them, and so we were, we were a pretty good team. And, and um, after my senior year, I started to kind of get some looks from scouts, and I had the opportunity to – to go out and, and be at training camp with the Oakland Raiders. Ultimately did not make the team, which is totally fine. I think God's got a plan for, for all of us. And so it wasn't me to my plan to, to be a, an NFL football player. And so um, while I didn't get all that, that money that I would really like to, and, and for, it, it really it was a defining moment for me because when I was cut, I, I, I kind of hit rock bottom, so to speak. So after I was cut, I went back to – to school to finish my master's degree, and what I did was I, I really had to redefine myself about who I was, and I was no longer an athlete. I was no longer playing football, so I had to figure out, okay, at the core, who, who is Logan Freeman, and um, thank goodness I, I actually dived really back far down into my faith, uh, which was which a really a, an important piece of my life and still is, and I actually lost my father to drugs and alcohol throughout this process. So my dad had always battled alcoholism and, and uh, having, having the issues with, with using drugs and, and it's a very addictive behavior. And, and unfortunately, I lost him right after I was cut. So not only did I get cut from the NFL, I lost my father uh, through that whole process as well. And I had to step back and say, okay, it's time for me to create the person who I want to be. And so I lost 100 pounds. So I was 335 pounds. I got down to 235 pounds, and I, I really started to think about who I want to be as a man. And I started to think about, okay, I want to be a family man. I want to attract a woman that's going to be the love of my life. And so I started working on myself. You know, I started reading books. I started focusing on podcasts. Lewis Howe's The School of Greatness. I was the, that was the first podcast I ever listened to. And I want to tell your, your listeners a little bit about my 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 schedule as I was going through this process. So I was a full-time student as a, as a graduate student, but I had a full-time job an hour away from, from Warrensburg where I was making over 200 cold calls a day. I had no business experience, so I needed something on my, on my resume. So I would go work full-time job. I'd go to school for four hours at night, and I would go to the library on Saturdays for 12 hours a day. And I repeated that for six months. And you know, it was a really a crucial time in my life to, to kind of start reading about success principles and mindset and psychology and really dove into to what I needed to do to try to recreate myself and, and be the best version of myself. Long story short, uh, I went and, and I started as a franchise consultant with Jimmy Johns, the youngest one they had ever hired. Uh, I managed 25 stores for about a year and a half. I hit a black ceiling. 
and I wanted to get paid for what I was worth, so I got into sales. I started with a startup company. I sold uh, a product. We have four people. I sold a product that was brand new to an industry that is a blue-collar industry that does not like to change, and uh, we sold to the biggest uh, transportation carriers in the, in the country, Western Express, J.B. Hunt, uh, Swift. Long story short there, I won't bore your listeners, our product did not perform to where it needed to be, and it was a little, we were a little bit early uh, in that space. They're doing great now, and I met some really great people there, uh, but I, I fit to, to look for my next job. Went and started a, a director of sales job at a larger company. Twelve months or 15 months later, I was actually fired from that position, and that allowed me to say, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to go work for somebody again. And so I've always been doing real estate deals on the side, and a job uh, came to me as a director of acquisitions to, to represent a uh, Delaware statutory trust fund out of, out of California, and I started a consulting company as well, and a cold call, 500 people landed three clients, made 100 grand in six months on consulting, had no idea what I was doing, and I also was selling over uh, $2 million in real estate a month. So... Long story short, I went, I went, I recreated myself into real estate. I've been doing that for full time for about two years now, and now I'm an active uh, general partner in commercial and multifamily and investment sales at a, at a brokerage here in Kansas City. So I know there was a lot there to unpack, so I'm going to stop talking now. Awesome, man. That's a great background. And I think it's interesting that you haven't used the word discipline yet, and that is absolutely what it took in order for you to repeat that process day in and day out when you're driving the hours to that other job. Yeah, I didn't mention that I would wake up at 3 a.m. and work out, and that's how I lost that weight. So um, I work at, I'd work out at 3 a.m. to 4 a.m., get back to my apartment, and, and then I would make that drive to get, get ready, um, do my prayer and my meditation, and then I would get ready to drive for an hour to, to school. So, yes, uh, Jocko Willink's book has been extremely important to me, and I still listen to his Spotify podcast, uh, Discipline Equals Freedom, is a, is a major mantra of my life. Discipline Equals Freedom. And Jocko is one of the Navy SEALs, right? Extreme yes. Ownership is kind of his mantra for anybody. Extreme Ownership is it's his book, and there's actually a field manual I would, I would really highly recommend anybody who's trying to get control of their mindset um, and also their workouts. And, and uh, they're very simple. And everybody asks Jocko, what do you do for your workouts? So he put a, an actual field manual together, and, uh, and that's a great resource, and it helped me. I still do the workouts to this day and, and listen to his Spotify playlist, which is a little over the top, but sometimes that's what you need. Yeah, I mean, the answer is usually in the middle somewhere, but for the people yep. that are going to be thought leaders, they've got to go to the extreme to pull people out of that I don't know if you want to call it comfort zone, but that's what I call it, where, you know, there isn't enough to make them move. And so if you're all the way at the other end of the spectrum, you get people to start moving towards you. And I think Jocko's a great example of that. And, you know, that 4, that 4 a.m. workout is something that I do. And Every morning while I'm walking, I continuously ask myself, is my sacrifice enough? Am I doing what it takes in order to make the dreams that I have become a reality? And the days that I feel like it's not, I go a little bit harder and, and try to make you know, progress each day towards whatever that vision is. 
So it's interesting you mentioned being a consultant and the youngest one with Jimmy Johns. Have you ever thought about what the biggest takeaway was from that experience? Yes. My biggest takeaway from that was that the way that you win people over is not through how much you know. It's how much you care. And it's how much you are willing to get on your knees and scrub that tile with people. So to, to me... I was 23 years old doing that job with operators of, of Jimmy John's that had owned their Jimmy John's for 23 years. So me coming in as a young buck, and I had to win over their respect and their hearts. And the only way to do that is to work harder than them. So I never complained. I worked hard. I worked over the hours that I needed to, and I did the jobs that nobody else would want to do. That would be my biggest takeaway. I love that. I love that. So... How did you balance that? Because sometimes when you go down that path, you become a people pleaser. Absolutely. You know, I think that the, the balance came for me was that I, I was never trying to be brown noser. I never was trying to suck up to anybody. I just wanted them to know that I would roll up my sleeves and do the work that they needed to do. And, and I would ask. I really would. I would ask wholeheartedly what can I do to help support your business today? And then I would go do it. You know, if, if it was to squeeze the, the juice out of the tuna, the five-pound tuna can that we had, that's what I would do. And I know that sounds a little bit weird, but that was one of the jobs that, that nobody ever wanted to do. And I would do 10 of those things for them if they needed them to be. So I think the balance just came from being willing and open and then being honest and authentic. That was the, the, that was the key is I always over-communicated and I was always authentic. So what I said is what I did. And I walked the walk so I didn't necessarily have to talk the talk. I love it. I love it. That accountability factor is the difference maker, in my opinion, from the people who get what they want and the ones who just talk about what they want. Totally agree. I mean, everything that I'm hearing come from you right now is, you know, just values-based leadership. And it's at a at a high level. Uh, how how did you learn all this stuff? Was it when you were down in that dark place and you started redefining yourself, or were these things already in you innately and it just emerged when you decided that you were going to run towards these new goals? Yeah, that's a, that's another great question, and I think that I one that I always kind of battle with with my wife is nature versus nurture, right? And if you would look at my situation and what I've created, there was no, there was no nature in that for me. Yes, I'm 6'3", and, and I have a, a big frame to, to put a bunch of muscle on to play football, but I could also be 6'3", and 400 pounds and, and be a potato chip eater, you know, and, and a video gamer. I chose to make decisions and, and choices on a daily basis to kind of get me to where I, where I needed to be. I would say that the, the way that I, I – thought about this was one, I, I always put myself around people playing at the higher at a higher level. So during that time when I was with Jimmy John's, I was new to Kansas City and so I started a men's group. I saw I sought out, I started going to meetups and I started to seek out the guys that I wanted to be like, either through the church or through business networking events. And I would ask them to come speak at a small group, men's group that I had put together, what I call a a mastermind, so to speak. So I read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. I wrote, read Dale Carnegie's um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. 
and I, I was a voracious reader, but then I would just take action on those things. And so I always spent my time with a lot of other people that were playing the game at a higher level than I did, and it helped me continue to level up. Somebody once told me that you're the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with, and I took that to heart. So I guarded my time really, really importantly, and I spent it with people that were doing the things that I wanted to do. And I think that helped me help raise me up out of wherever I needed to, where I was to, to where I needed to be. So, Logan, there's a lot of people who would say, but you're leaving people behind. You're going yep. without the folks that you showed up with. What's your response to that? My response to that is if you are serious about becoming the best version of yourself, you are going to have to leave people behind. Unfortunately, that's, that's my experience. And, and I, I would say some will come with you and some will, will not. Early on in my career, in my experience with, with personal and professional development, I was a very hard-charging young man who, who, who pushed my ideas on a lot of different people. And what I found was, you know what, some people are open to hearing that and some people are not. It's my job to be self-aware enough and use my emotional intelligence to meet people where they're at. So as I continue to get better, I did not... I, I no longer tried to reach out and grab them and pull them to me. That's all I did. And I, and I just tried to, to understand where somebody was at, and then I would try to lead by example and let them come along if they wanted to. I never closed the door on people. I always say, you know, I always tell my wife, it's always great to just leave that door somewhat cracked. I think it's very important. So I never closed the door on my friends. I never closed the door on, on other colleagues. But at the same time, I was very open and honest and transparent about this is my goal. This is where I'm going. If you're not aligned with that, no problem. That's, that's not a problem at all. The guys that I spent time with in college, great guys. I love those guys to this day. But they have different goals for what their lives are going to look like. And coincidentally, we don't hang out anymore. And that's okay because I've made new friends that are continuing to help me be the best version of myself and, and, and stay really, really accountable. So, you know, I think that you have to be okay a little bit about um, leaving some people behind. And I don't, that's a tough term to say, leaving them behind. But really it's just you're continuing to grow. And if you lead by example, if they want to come with you, fantastic. But be very careful and guarded about trying to reach out and grab them and pull them like I did early on in my career. I probably burned some bridges that way because you have to end up meeting people where they're at before they'll ever, before you'll have any influence on, on their lives if you want to have a positive impact. I think that telling of who you are as a person, you know, early on in the podcast you said you wanted to be the type of a man that attracted a wife. Yes. And the use of the word attract, it speaks to you having a little deeper knowledge on some things aligning in the universe. So I don't know if you want to dig into that belief yeah, and sure can. Your, your views around that, but that word says a lot by itself. And yeah. you spoke around that in the monologue that you just had, but... I really just want to, if we can, dive into what you see as the law of attraction and how you actually manage that. So I did a lot of studying on the, the law of attraction. I read Jack Canfield's book. I watched The Secret. I, I did it all, you know, and, I, and I, I asked people about this. And what I found for myself 
was that the more I thought about the law of attraction and putting good vibes out there and, and doing the, having those beliefs, I have a model that I call the BEAR model, which is it's, a, it's an acronym. It, starts for, it's, it all starts with your beliefs, which leads to your emotions, which then leads to your actions, and then that's when you get results. So for me, the law of attraction is the first step on a belief system. But if you continue to feed your mind with those, those great thoughts, your actions are going to suit. And that's all I'm about is, is action. So when I was thinking about how I wanted to attract the wife that I, I would ultimately want to end up with, I, I, was, I was reading a Darren Hardy book. It's called The Compound Effect. And he mentioned a journal that he had started called Living Your Best Year Ever. And I've done that journal for, for eight years now, I believe it is. And uh, I've just recently transitioned, but that's, that's, that's a side note to a different journal. But the, the Living Your Best Year Ever journal, a story comes with that, uh, a CD comes with that. And he talked about, Darren talked about when he sat down, he wrote all the qualities of a, of, of a perfect wife for him, down to her hair and, and, and brown, brown eyes, so to speak. And long story short, he then asked himself, because he was mentored by Jim Rohn, by the way, and Jim Rohn asked him, hey, Darren, that's great. Now, what type of man would a woman like that want to marry? And then they, they mapped out the qualities, honesty, authenticity, integrity, accountable, responsible, present, peace, positive, thriving, energized, focused, all of these things. And he said, that's what I'm going to work on. And so I used that journal every month to work on a new value for myself. So it might be prudence, it might be temperance, justice, fortitude, whatever it was. I worked on that one until I felt like that was embodied in me and it was in my belief system. And so the law of attraction to actually work, I really feel like you, you end up having to actually take action to, to work. And I would, I would say that a lot of people that, that follow that mantra and, and have had success with that belief would say the same. I don't think it's just me, but it all starts with that first belief. But then you, you obviously have to put some stuff into action. So do you have a model for the emotion piece of Bear? I do. I do. So a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0 changed my life completely. Emotional awareness or emotional quotient is all about self-awareness, self-management, relationship management, and social awareness. And the first step for us as, as individuals is to understand ourselves. If you can't understand yourself, you can't understand other people a lot of the time. And so that book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, I won't get into it too much, but it has a, it has a model. It actually has tasks and ex exercises and a test where you can take uh, to actually get your emotional quotient uh, score. And then you, it gives you four levels of, of the, the sphere, I guess, that you would work on. And so I started with self-awareness. That led to me working on my self-management, and then I was really, really low in the relationship management uh, piece of it, and I was really high in the social awareness. So I just I had to actually be more empathetic, not sympathetic. Stephen Covey would talk about the differences between those, and we can link that up. I've got a, I've got a great resource that talks about the differences between sympathy and empathy. But anyways, long story on that piece is, uh, emotional Intelligence 2.0 was a game changer for me, and I used that model to kind of help myself grow in understanding how to be more empathetic with others. Yeah, that's, that's great. I think of empathy as throwing a rope down to somebody that's in a well versus climbing down in the well with them. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that's a perfect way to put it, Jerome. I, I was having this conversation with my sister earlier this week, actually. And, and sympathy for me is literally feeling the same way somebody else is. Empathy is just understanding how they're feeling and um, not necessarily embodying those same feelings, but actually understanding why they're feeling it that way and then working towards some type of solution. This is great stuff right here, Logan. I'm so glad you decided to hop on the call with me today. If, If we could take a second here, and if you had to list out your three biggest lessons, and they can be from any point in your life, yeah. could we walk down that road? Yeah, I think we should. I think we should. The first one, I would say, is you need to have a unwavering belief in either yourself or a higher power. It's going to be the one thing that pulls you through the, the adversity, the challenges, the roadblocks that are going to come to your to your table because they're all going to come. Even when you feel like everything's clicking, you know what? Life can change in an, in an instant. And so having that unwavering belief in yourself or a higher power is extremely, extremely important because that allows you to, to basically uh, detach, from, detach from the actual things that are happening to you and actually respond instead of react. So that would be my first one, would be the belief piece. And that, that really starts with, uh, with what I call affirmations. So another book, Tony Robbins, Unwake, or Awaken Giant Within. I know Tony's going through some stuff right now, but you know, I don't know what's, what's, what, what, what is going on with that whole piece. But his book, Awaken the, the Giant Within, was incredible. Tony is a wonderful, wonderful uh, advisor in that sense. So it's a big, thick book. But I read that book, and it helped me to, to work through a lot of the emotions that I was feeling in my belief systems. So that was, that was definitely a, a, an instrument. So that would be the first one. The second one, I would say, is life is all about choices. Matthew Kelly is another author that I, I really enjoy reading. And, and Matthew Kelly, he, he basically talks about how to become the best version of yourself. And, and really, it's life is choices. And a mantra I have tried to embody in my life is just do the next right thing. We don't know inherently what that next thing is. It's just you have to do the next right thing. You know, when stuff starts to hit the fan, it's like really hard to kind of understand what that, that thing is. But if we take a second, think about it, we all, we all know that, hey, we shouldn't raise our voices right now. We should actually try to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more uh, diplomatic with the person that we're dealing with because everybody makes decisions irrationally, and, and they justify them rationally later. So that's a big piece for me is just making that, making that next right choice. And so life is just a, is a big system of choices and decisions that we make. So we have control of those choices most of the time. That would be the second one. And I think the third one is from old Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar talked about, talked about if you just help enough other people get what they want in life, you're ultimately going to get what you want. And that is so important. And sometimes it's very difficult, you know, when the lights are about to turn off because you don't have money to pay for it. I understand that. But it's really important to just continue to think value add to other people, think big picture, and how you can help somebody get through what they're going through and add value to their lives because it will come back full circle. Those are the three things that I would would say. And that last one is huge, man. If you help enough people get what they want, 
you'll have all that you desire. And exactly. I don't know that it actually is a material thing, but so. if you're if you are integral to somebody achieving their accomplishment, then by virtue of that you become significant, right? Yep. And so through our significance and in, in the Dreamcatcher Network we, we believe that significance equals success. Yep. The other stuff doesn't really matter. The cars, the clothes, the houses, they don't matter. But having a positive impact on somebody else's life is the very essence of living. So I love that quote, and I'm definitely going to drop it in the show notes. Yeah, Zig Ziglar was a special guy. He was. He was definitely one of the thought leaders in this space. I'm kind of torn because there's two ways I can take this, and I think what I'm going to do here is ask this question. So when you were at rock bottom and you started to make the changes, just right after you decided enough was enough. What did you say to the people who did not like the fact that you were making adjustments to improve your life? It was a tough call for me, too, because the the week that I decided, or two weeks after I decided to not pursue football anymore, I took a, a family vacation, and I got called by the 49ers, and they said, hey, our center just went down, and we'd like to have you come out to camp to, to try out and have a couple practices with us. And I, by that point, I had already lost 35 pounds because I, I had a pretty strict eating regimen to keep the weight on that I had. And so, you know, it was a, it was a very tempting call, but that was the defining moment for me to say, nope, I can go make a living and, and, and reinvent myself uh, in a different way. And when I did that, I, you know, I think that my family was the first one that saw the changes in me. Uh, they, they came out physically, but also uh, mentally. And, you know, I think that uh, I think that it was uh, – I'm not going to say it was easy. It was, it was difficult. My family saw me changing, um, becoming more independent, becoming uh, more what I'll call driven, motivated, and focused, um, not only on, on the physicality standpoint of it, but, but even with my – uh, the time that I would spend, you know, and, and, and so I still think that, you know, it's different for each person that's going to be going through that scenario and that situation, but getting ahead of and understanding why somebody is feeling, you know, like they're, they might be losing you, so to speak, and they're not really losing you, but they're, it's, it's usually when those people are pulling you back in and, and you're kind of expanding yourself, if they're pulling you back in, it's usually about... Uh, one thing, and it's, 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 they feel like they're not growing. And so, you know, I had, to, I had to have a lot of what I'll call crucial conversations with my family and close friends to say, you know, and, and I follow this model of that book. It's you state the facts, you tell the story that you feel, you ask questions, you talk candidly, and you encourage testing. And those five things, I had to just, I had to sit down with each one of my, my family members and, and close friends and and work through kind of, hey, this is what I'm seeing, this is how I'm feeling, and, and I just, I took it head on, and I had those difficult conversations, and while it was not fun to do that at, at that time, I think that that helped me save those relationships, because they knew how I was feeling and where I was coming from. If they agreed about it or not, that's their decision, but at least we, we talked about it, and there was no gray area. So it sounds like you set some boundaries in that. Yeah, Dr. Andrew Cloud is a great great author. I've, I've heard him speak a few times about boundaries, and 
probably one of the most difficult things to implement, but also some of the most important. I would I would I would say that is an incredible resource for for people to dive into. Not and it's and it's complete at the theoretical level and it's effective at the applied level, but at the same time, it's not easy to do. So, uh, but it's very fruitful and you'll save a lot more relationships that way if you do it that way instead of leaving it in limbo. I love when people think they're being kind by not dealing with the situation or not telling somebody the truth of the situation, and then it shows up at a decision point where the person has to choose between the illusion that they've been given somebody else and actually yep. making the decision that matters most in that situation. So, yeah, I the crucial conversations is, I think, core to any successful relationship. And building a relationship where people are comfortable having those conversations, and when I say comfortable, meaning that they know that it's not going to blow up or that the person that they're talking to won't interpret what they're saying as anything else than love, right? When people believe that there's malice in the conversation or the person's trying to do an end around and they're not really talking about the issues at hand, I think they become suspicious and spend a bunch of time trying to figure out what the person's not saying versus listening to the words that come out their mouth. And, you know, that's, that's been something that I've struggled with recently is just I'm telling you exactly what I think and how I feel and you are spending time trying to infer meaning that isn't actually there and trying to explain to people and at times it gets exhausting that, hey, I have no desire to be a deceptive person or to do things to you that are not in the spirit of love, and I know you may have experienced that with other folks, but I, I just I have zero desire to do that. And right. It just makes things so confusing when people live in that space. So let's um, let's jump over to the gifts that you're giving the world. I mean, you're well read. You're super disciplined. What what gift are you giving to the world? Yeah, I think that's a great question, and. You know, I, I, I would say that what I am trying to do is create holy moments all, all day long. And, and, and the way that you do that is, is very simple. You, you, can, you can meet people where they're at, which we've talked a little bit about. You can open, a, open your arms and, and just and, and not judge people. And so I try to live very non-judgmentally, which is my biggest struggle. I would say living by example and showing people that, there is a better way, and you can uplift yourself if you choose to. And doing that in a way that is not confrontational or aggressive, but just doing it by uh, leading, leading through example. Uh, and right now, my biggest passion project is I, I have a foundation that we started here in Kansas City that helps the homeless. So it's a very important thing for me to, to feed, the, feed the hungry, uh, clothe the naked, and to, and, to, and to really give shelter to, to the homeless. And so uh, we started an initiative here where I've raised some capital to, to kind of help this foundation grow, where we'll, we'll pack what we call care kits all of the time to actually, uh, we do about four or five um, 
of these of these packing parties, to, you know, um, a year, and, and we'll pack close to 2,000 bags this year, um, and, and have our parishioners hand them out to people all um, all times of the month, and, and they've got bus passes in there. We've got information on on, on where to go for shelter, for food. Uh, alongside of that, I, I run the food pantry too at, at our church, and and I'm very passionate about just trying to figure out where my skills, from a real estate standpoint. Um, and psychology standpoint can marry together, and I can create some type of ecosystem here in Kansas City to, and and hopefully uh, throughout the, the United States to to really help people uh, kind of get their feet back underneath them a little bit. So that's a little bit about the the gifts I think that I'm trying to kind of put out there in the world. Um, you, you know, more more microeconomically is is uh, I try to live as a hero husband. Dr. Meg Meeker talks about. Uh, this book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, I have a four-month-old, so uh, it's very important for me to support my wife and my, uh, my growing family, um, not from a monetary standpoint. Money comes in, you know, if you work hard, but it's more or less from an emotional, physical, and uh, spiritual standpoint on, on leading our family and helping other families uh, see that that's you know that's that's present in in our lives. So uh, that'd be a little bit about what I'm trying to I'm trying to put out in the, into the world. So what's the next dream that you're focused on catching? You know, I think the next dream for me, and I touched on it a little bit, is how to continue to extend my outreach and actually help help other people and, and really work on uh, creating my service. So my my professional dreams are. Um, you know, are, are very tangible, and I can put my, I can wrap my head around those, and that's great to work on. But my next dream that I'm really trying to figure out and work towards is, is how you know God wants to use me as a conduit to try to help other people, bring them to where they need to go. And I don't know what that is yet. I don't, but it's something that I think about quite a bit on a daily basis uh, to try to figure out. And the best way I know how to do that right now is. Is just by creating those holy moments and meeting people where they're at and helping them see that they can they can somewhat make a better a better life for themselves if they so choose to. So I, it's really micro right now on the sense of I just try to live it out with every interaction that I have and I try to be present in the moment and and focus on adding those, that value to people. So the dream that I'm trying to catch right now is is to really really just live out the best for myself and try to discern what what uh, the best conduit for me to, to actually make an impact here in the world is. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I think I already know the answer to the question, but I'll ask it anyway. When we think about the secrets to success, what's made the difference in getting what you want versus when you didn't? I'm not sure I could put my finger directly on what that would be, but it would be probably looking at the wheel of life, the circle of life I call. So it has all of your different areas. you got your mental, emotional, spiritual, financial, family, friends, and hobbies, right? you got all that wheel of life. And if you don't take care of the ones that are most pressing in your life at that time, it's hard to focus on the others. And so at, any, at different times in my life, I've needed to focus more on my business or on my health or on my family or on my spiritual life. And I would really recommend just sitting down and evaluating you yourself on where you're at in each, each one of those because the one that's blocking you right now is the one that you need to tackle. 
And it's gonna it's, and it might not seem super clear, but at the same time, if you really sit down and have an evaluation of, of your whole life, you'll be able to see that one area is really causing you that most anxiety or stress or, or challenges. And then you start you know, thinking about that area a little bit and attack that one first. And once you get that taken care of, you'll see the gateway be open to the other areas of your life. But if you try to do a little bit on each single one of them at, at all times, you're going to feel like you're pulled in a lot of different areas. So uh, my, my, I think my key to success in life has been really been able to be self-aware of what I needed as a person at that certain time, was, was able to sit down and journal about it, figure out what that was, and then go make a plan. And that opened up my my ability to be able to really uh, start to improve the other areas of my life after I got that one big roadblock out out of my out of my way. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So focus on the task at hand, and once you've taken care of that, move to the next instead of yes. trying to switch between tasks quickly and not actually accomplish anything. I love it. So we're, yeah. we're getting down to the end, and now I feel bad because I got a real estate guy on the phone, and we haven't talked to any real estate. That's um, okay. Do you want to talk all about your business and what you're doing and if people are interested, how they can connect and partner with you guys? Sure. You know, I think we'll keep that short. I actually really like the, the direction that we've, we've, uh, we've kind of gone into. So, you know, I... In, in real estate, you know, it's a vehicle for me. It's a vehicle for, for me to, to meet people. It's been a really great time with, with, uh, um, with a lot of different people. And, and uh, I study a lot of different businesses and models and ways to kind of achieve the goals that I want to. And it's a pretty open dialogue with a lot of successful people if they usually have their hands in real estate. And so that, that's really what pushed me into that, to that realm. So... What I do in Kansas City is I represent, I'm a broker, so I represent buyers and sellers in the market, but I also, um, more, more or less my business is really focused on helping development projects get the funding that they need. So if, you're, if any of the listeners are ever want to understand how I go about raising capital for deals, getting to, to, to do larger uh, opportunities, that would be great. They can reach me at livefreeinvestments.com. That's my company's name, livefreeinvestments.com. You know, it's a play on my last name, Freeman, and my hashtag is always livefree because I, I really feel like if you make certain choices, you can break out of the, the things that are, are holding you back. So um, I, that's about all I'll say about the real estate side. I'm involved in so much that we can have our own podcast about, about that piece. But if you want to ever learn more about what I'm doing on an active basis, that's, that's where you can reach me. Great, Logan. I appreciate the sound bite. I'll definitely link up the website in the show notes. Um, so down to my last two questions. And this one is one that I know you'll have a great answer for because of how thoughtful you are. What are you most grateful for? I'm most grateful right now for my my life and my health. And, you know, I think that uh, – you know, we take for granted a lot of things in, in the United States, but it's really important to, to be grateful for just waking up and being extremely, extremely healthy and being able to do the things that I want to do. So I'm grateful for living in the United States of America. I'm grateful for my health, and I'm absolutely grateful for my wife and my, 
and my little baby girl, Isabella May. That's, that's what I'm most grateful for right now. That's awesome. Awesome. So we've been on the line for you know, right at 50 minutes or so. What if they don't get anything else from this episode of the Dreamcatchers podcast, what is the one thing that you want them to walk away from this content with? Absolutely. I would say that knowledge is not power. Knowledge is potential power. Knowledge plus action is what power is is equal to. So yes, you need to have the knowledge, but you have to take action. And the only way to take action is to put your first step forward and just get moving. So that would be what I want to to communicate is knowledge plus action is, is equal to power. I've never heard anybody put it that way. I love it. Yes. I love it. Well, Logan, man, I'm super excited and glad that we were able to hook up and get this episode recorded. Thanks for reaching out. Not a whole lot of people have the courage to do it. I know you you come from the school of cold calling, so it isn't a big deal for you, but... Yeah, you know, there are very few people who are willing to do that, and it encouraged me to do some stuff that I wouldn't normally do. So, again, man, I appreciate it. And let me know as you guys are rolling through if there's anything we can do to help you guys move along on your journey and help you catch your dream. Thanks for having me, Jerome. All right, man, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. If you want to learn more about dream catchers, please visit the website at dreamshouldbereal.com. If you can think of someone who would benefit from these types of opportunities and are willing to share what we're doing with them, we would greatly appreciate it. You know I hustle all day and all night, boy. You know I hustle all day and all night, boy.